You're listening to The People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by footballstadiumprints.com. Let's start the show. And as I talked about just a couple minutes ago, as Joe Watt stands over this one, he appears to be the one taking the penalty here. Uh, this is a huge confidence booster if you're a Duluth. Worst Mr. case scenario for here City for right more. here. And it stopped! Yes! And it stopped! Totally Matt Elder! <laughs> Matt Elder redeeming himself! Oliver with the right foot. The shot is oh, Oliver! And Justin Oliver! will break the scoreless tie. Then it is 1-0 Minneapolis City. It's Hutton now on the offense with the left foot. And oh, the goal! goal! It is now 2-0 Minneapolis oh, yes. City. Good finish. Nick Hutton taking his quick victory lap. This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City SC coming in hot with our second episode of the week. It's like we're it's like we're actually working. If only we could get paid for this, it would be helpful. Uh, I, am so great. <laughs> <laughs> I am your host, Nate Morales, joined as always by the John Bizworm. John, it's like there's a soccer game every other day, and it feels like it's uh it's hard to keep up with that between actual soccer news and talking to our friends and being able to see our families, but that's okay because this is what we signed up for and we love, we love the soccer life. Do you remember like, I don't know, eight months ago when we were like, man, it's going to be so nice only covering two teams. <laughs> yeah. It was actually way worse last year. That's a good point. Yeah. And now it's like, <laughs> how are we going to get two teams done? Oh my God. So yeah. I mean, Hey, it, we give the people the content we can give them and it's, and you know what, like you said, unless someone's paying for it, you're going to get it when you get it. People. You get it when you get it. Okay? It just happens to be on game day. Hope you're listening to it on the way to the game. Two pods yeah, in it, one week. Dang. Um, this week we already, we already chatted with Sonny from Tulsa athletic. Uh, today we're going to focus on Minneapolis city exclusively with recaps and previews galore. We've yes. got uh, the USL two season got off to a rocky start against St. Croix. So we're going to look at that game and then look ahead to Racine and the futures. They've been in action twice already this week. They took home victories against FC Minneapolis and twin city SC. We're going to talk about those and preview their next match against Austin Villa. <laughs> Still has one of the best names in lower league soccer. Absolutely. But I'm I'm going to say before we start, Nate, I'm just going to tell everyone uh, to go back to our previous theme that what I tell my kids, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. So <laughs> as, as far as uh, USL2 action, last Saturday, the I-94 battle commenced down at the Nelly between Minneapolis City and St. Croix Legends with the series locked at 1-1-1. One, one, and one. So kissing your sister, one win. <laughs> one loss, one draw for each team. Um, and with each of those teams really trying to get their foothold on uh, in dominating the local USL2 landscape. Yeah, and you know, John, the USL2 season comes at you fast, man. So this game was exciting for me because of the debut of so many players like Hakeem Morgan, Victor Gallman, Shea Bechtel. But we knew there was still some firepower on the way. I don't know, maybe this to me felt like a good opportunity for some on the roster to make one last case for themselves. I think so. I, I think so, Nate. Like there, it it's an it's going to be an ongoing thing uh, as we we talked about the roster turnover, right? So mm -hmm. gone are 
people who are ready to go and have been training for months um, because we're we're not that's not our setup anymore. Uh, I mean, it is with our futures and look what look what they're doing. Yep. Um, but with our with our first team, it's a little different now. It's a, it's it's like everyone else's problems that we used to laugh at, where they're they're they have three weeks, if that, to get their teams ready to go. But as yeah. far as a as a lineup goes, you mentioned a few folks, but across the front three, and we'll go from front to back here. Um, it was Eli Goldman being deployed in a non traditional left wing role, which is something that. Uh, he we haven't seen from him in a in a city shirt, and then the aforementioned Hakeem Morgan and Shea Bechtel completed the front three with Victor Gallman, who you mentioned, and uh, Eric Contreras making his return. He actually has been in in training with us one way or the other, whether it be the futures program or with the first team for years, but decided to apply his trades um, with Minnesota United's Academy and Portland Timbers Academy. So now he's back in the fold, actually getting real game time action. Then the return of Luca contestable. And then the back line was uh, Carson Pena, who was deployed as a right uh, left winger. Last time we saw him, he is going back into that traditional left back role. Then we had Griffin Gierci. And Jonah Garcia in the middle with Wes Lawrence and his traditional outside right back. And then you saw Oscar Herrera trading his trading one bird for the other. Last yeah. time we, we were at the Nelly, he was playing for Minnesota United, which I think was a little bit of a loan situation. Um, but uh, but Oscar uh, Oscar started, and then on the bench you had Dennis Mensa. We may have loaned them the wrong keeper. Uh, maybe I don't know. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the bench, you had Dennis Mensa, Aiden O'Driscoll, Stevie Lamar, uh, Clemente, Archuch Puig, Damian, uh, sorry, Damon Humphreys, uh, James Gardev, and Gabe Kuffel in on the bench for the the Crows. As far as the first half goes, Nate, uh, I was very surprised that it was very direct from City to start. Um, typically in the, in the, in seasons prior, it was a lot of getting a hold of reading the game and getting a hold of what the other team was going to do and, and uh, establishing the baseline of dominance through possession. Well, coach Craig and team went right at them, uh, which was, which was great. It was, it was different. It was good to see. Um, they didn't just sit back and wait and probe for weak spots in the St. Croix defense. They identified them quickly and they got after it. So super encouraged uh, to, to see that. And something that I, I really liked um, for the legends, they really only had the long ball and it went up to Nathan Donovan up top, who is uh, quite the force. Um, last time I saw him, he was probably about 20 pounds lighter of muscle and about a foot shorter. So uh, he huh. really grew in. He really grew into that target striker role and he seemed to be the only danger man. And oftentimes was just completely unsupported by the rest of the front six behind him. So everything was just going up to him and and getting direct and and um, it wasn't a lot of buildup and and up until those points where the long ball got dangerous for them and set pieces via the corner kick was getting dangerous for them. I thought this was like a, it was a it was a city runaway in the first mm. half uh, yeah. and it was really just the finishing boots that needed to be put on, which are our early season things that everyone's going to have. So I, I was very encouraged by the first half. Um, but really, you know, I mentioned the shooting boots, the, the, the thing for me that was the final half, final point of the half, and what we talked about in our Radisson Red report at halftime with myself and the Eric Nordquist, the final ball and the final decision of when to pull the trigger just haunted City in the first half. 
a lot of guys caught in the should I pass or shoot when shooting should have been the option. A lot of guys taking taking the extra touch and it going out of bounds or a lot of guys overcooking a pass things like that runs being a half step late because guys aren't used to playing together and that's really how i saw it going into halftime yeah i agree with you i thought city had the had the run of play in that first half and i think that part of that had to do with the approach of just going at st croix early right carl craig told the fans in his q a a few months back that he wants the fans to be at 11 from the start so that he can help that they can help the players start out at 11. And that was his game plan, right? Start strong, go direct, go right at them. And I think that that paid could should have, could have paid dividends early. Eli Goldman, especially was looking dangerous. He would constantly found himself in space on that left wing side. Like, I don't know who that, I can't remember who their right back was, but, it's Eric Bloom, oh yeah, <laughs> a former Eric, city player. <laughs> Eric Bloom either totally forgot Eli was there or just like could not could never get back in time after being after tracking too far forward. It was it was crazy. But still, like you said, because the the decision making, the shooting boots, no goals came of that. Uh, and then the experienced St. Croix center backs were able to do just enough to thwart anything, anything that City might have had on the on the second chance. But I'll tell you, John, on that left side, interesting, interesting uh, call by Carl Craig. But that Pena Goldman duo really gave Bernard Aspie rule fits and Eric Bloom fits, and I think there's that's a that's not a bad that's not a bad look for the rest of the season. Well, here's what I saw from that was we know we know both those players. We know Bernard. Bernard is Bernard doesn't get paid the big bucks to, to defend. Bernard is an <laughs> offensive player. So when you get someone like Eli Goldman living in between Bloom and a CB rule, you, it, it creates a confusion as to who's guarding who. Mm-hmm. And then when you're getting when you when you're either pinning Bernard back in the defensive third with someone like Pena who's getting forward, it eliminates what he can do on the offensive end. But if you're getting beyond Bernard and you're getting in that space and Eli moves up a level, then Eric Bloom has to figure out which one do I guard if I can even guard one of them. And P- and Pena's, Pena's just a support system. So it was a definitely an overload situation. And there were many times in that half where after a ball, a through ball came in and it was a foot race between Bloom and Goldman or Pena and Bloom, Bloom and everybody, basically, um, how angry he the central central field of not dropping someone back so that one of the center backs can come over and help him because he was oftentimes by himself against at least one, if not two city forwards. But anyways, uh, forgive me for not having the timestamp. Minneapolis city did get on the board with a welcome to the club goal for city player to watch on the night. Hakeem Morgan, who uh, ended up getting a, uh, a free kick opportunity. Let's just say, 25 yards out on the right side of the of the, the box being left footed that's like that's like the the money shot right there for a yeah. left footed left footed free kick taker um i believe it's shay bechtel who had a nice little individual uh uh performance uh piece uh on that note and then was taken down and hakeem steps up and we're in the booth and and there's you know there we had some cameos in the booth which was yeah. nice no um, City General Manager Matt Van Benskoten was there, and he literally, I saw him talk to you, and then he walked up to the glass where Eric and I were and was like, this is going in. 
And look at that. Up and over the wall went the free kick from Morgan. Uh, we scored first for a change. Unbelievable. And, uh, and it was like, <laughs> man, like MVB should have bought a lottery ticket on the way home. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, just a just a peach of a free kick. It ended up narrowly uh, being uh, – it missed out narrowly being the USL2 goal of the week to a bicycle kick. I mean, everyone wants What are you, you going to do? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a pretty weak bicycle kick, but um, that free kick, that, I think that's harder to do. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, the, like I said, one nil going into half, and that's that's new territory for us, Nate. Yeah, but you know, City, you're right. City usually is the one having to make adjustments in the locker room at halftime. To the on this night, it was Saint Croix, and they did make those adjustments, and they came out hot. And I would say this is a classic Minneapolis City lapse, John. They give up two goals in the early part of the second half, not six minutes apart. And, you know, the Route 1 soccer that we talked about early, that was really all that St. Croix had, actually worked for them. That Route 1 play pays off as Nathan Donovan bullies his way past Jonah Garcia, gets a light touch on the ball that kind of catches Oscar Herrera out of position. He, like, half half lobs it, half chips it over to the le- to the right of Herrera to to Donovan's left, well out of well out of range for anyone to be able to get to. And all that was left was for Nathan Donovan to chase that loose ball down and tap it in. So really he was able to just kind of pop that ball up out of the air, you know, he elbows past Jonah, able to get a foot out and that ball is up and over Herrera and eventually in the net. Um tough way to to give up the lead, but at the same same time, like I don't know, that feels like that feels like that could have been prevented. So, uh, see, for me, Donovan was setting up that back line for almost the entire first half um, with his movement, and I think that I mean, I, I don't know, I don't want to speculate any sort of tactical uh, plan for Saint Croix, but. I know that they're not necessarily ones to just be like, our plan is to just kick it as far as we can. Yeah. I have to believe that there's some form of like, they played direct because they had to. Um, but I don't believe that the plan was like, let's see how far we can kick it. And then just let Donovan run onto it. But the plan yeah. was to get direct. So he was active across all four members of the back line, causing fits with all of them. So I think what he was doing was probing for his area of weakness that he could spot. And I don't know if that was a one V one matchup with, with Jonah Garcia. I think he was kind of, Jonah was kind of caught in a tough spot there. Um, I don't know if it was Gierchi. Who yeah, was Gierchi was pretty far. Gierchi was pretty far advanced and it was kind of just Jonah and Wes Lawrence yeah. in the back. And Wes had, um, had the winger that he had to track off of his, off of his yeah. right shoulder behind him. So really so it was I think, Joe, suddenly Jonah was just one-on-one with Donovan. Yeah. And you never want your center back one-on-one with a striker unless it's out wide, right? You don't want, you don't want it coming right through route one. And that's what mm-hmm. happened. Um, so I, I think uh, Donovan is a very, very smart soccer player. You can just tell by his movement um, and, and where he is uh, on the field at any given time when the ball is moving into attack. Um, so for the legends, they, in the second half, they, I mean, they just went back with what works and they were literally relentless staying with it. I mean, there was not opportunities where they were like, you know, we're going to put the ball down and we're going to try to keep possession for a while. It was one, two passes and 
let's get forward every yeah. single time. Um, but for me, you know, here's where armchair armchair quarterback comes mm. into play. For me, it's it, an adjustment period wasn't necessarily needed for Minneapolis City from an overall game plan. I think the adjustment that comes is trying to figure out your line of pressure from cutting off things at the tap. Like, don't we, you know, those balls are, it's starting to become a a very consistent theme. What can we do uh, on field to have our line of pressure with our front four trying to, trying to get more pressure so that the ball isn't really hit long. And I don't necessarily, what I I mean is I don't think there's necessary adjustment that needs to be made there from a tactic perspective. I think that's in-game adjustment by players. You know, there's definitely directive from the coaching staff. It's like, you know, here's our line of pressure. Here's what we want you to do as, as a front four. But when, when, you know, they're piping in like 15, 20 long balls in a row, you, as a player, you're like, I, I know I'm supposed to kind of sit back here. And if I go forward, I might break the line. We're going to get exposed in behind me in front yep. of the central midfield. But at that point, after it just kept happening, you kind of got to try to put some pressure on to stop it off at the source. And then you figure out if they have the ability to break you down in that pocket of space you just left. So I don't, I don't put that on anyone, but I think it's just a recognition thing that like this could be a running theme from, from opponents. Now um, it was a little bit of a running theme last year. And we didn't, we didn't, we didn't address it. So I think we, we need to really look at that. Uh, but uh, also, any given moment when a team's pumping in that many long balls, can you really stop it? <laughs> you know, like know, you can right? try. Um, so, I watched the so, tape yeah. thinking that like, was this on a counter? Was it? Did it catch us out of position quick? But it was like a long, like it was a throw in, like on the far side of the field. You know, just kind of almost to the corner flag on the St. Croix side. So it's not like this was, it's not like these guys were running in one direction and suddenly had to turn and, and the ball was going in the other, you know, it was like, like you said, like someone could have stepped and, and, and prevented that. Mm-hmm. And then in the 53rd, their big man, Jared hacked gets ahead on a corner. It sends the ball down and towards the far post. It would, I mean, it was, it, it bounced off the turf bounced off the left post somehow still had enough momentum to get back into the scrum where there was Otis Anderson is able to poke it in. That was just, just classic Otis Anderson, just like being there right place, right time and late and be, and scoring that, that goal. It wasn't pretty, but it gave St. Croix the lead. Yeah. I mean, for another one for me, far too many corners, just just way too many. And given the fact that we, it was against a team that had a, a, a foot of height on us. Um, that, that's something that you, you gotta try to, you gotta, you, you gotta be mindful of. I, I know in particular for that corner, I do believe it was like uh, a desperation clearance that was like, just get it out of here. Yeah. And it went out for that corner. But um, you know, it's, it, those are tough, but the, the set pieces were deadly for them. And it and it, to me, it felt like it was only a matter of time until something cracked. But on that one, on the rebound, if you go back and watch it, there's four city defenders right there not paying attention to Otis Anderson. Um, they're, they're ball watching. And unmarked, yeah. Unmarked. And I, I've, I've been there before where, you know, chaos is ensuing and you're, you're, you know, your head's on a swivel trying to figure out where the ball is. And in actuality, 
the ball is someone else's problem. The guy who's standing free is yours. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's no, there's no like real blame. Like this, you know, this guy didn't mark that guy. There was a couple players in there. Um, very much so kind of like the, um, the goal against Minnesota United. It was like, there was, there was something that occurred in a, in a save that wasn't corralled. And then there's two players on the end line and it gets flubbed and goes in, you know, but should maybe one of those players not gone to the end line and been able to just take a step forward and block the shot. So it's like those chaos ensuing moments inside a six yard box are they're They're tough to read. Yeah. Well put, well put. Well, John, what did you see from city? Cause we chased that equalizer for a good 40 minutes and, and it, and it didn't happen. And we were kind of, kind of hoping it would given how the first half went and how many chances we had in the first half. And it just didn't feel like, feel like that, uh, that replicated itself in, in, the set, sure. in the last part of the game. Well, the main theme that we talked about in the booth after the game was six minutes of bullshit overshadowed some really good stuff. And that's classic. That happens yeah. like at least a game every year. So I, I feel like it was textbook early season stuff, you know, like players still getting to know each other. I think as we get out of next weekend, or this come tomorrow, basically um, uh-huh. Saturday this week against Racine. As we get out of Saturday with Racine, the excuse of early season stuff goes away because now, like, what what are we like thirty percent done with our seat, our home games after right? after Saturday? So mm-hmm. that excuse goes away, but it is a valid excuse. It's early, so some of the refinements aren't there for any team you you hope they're there but at this level in this league that that's just a reality so i think it was textbook early season stuff for city um what excuse me what was working in the first half uh didn't continue in the second half um and it wasn't an adjustment period it was just that the game did not allow city to do what they were doing well in the first half and that was establishing a little bit of possession dominance and switching the field quickly to Eli Goldman Um, or even whoever's out there you put Stevie Lamar came on as a sub you put him out there Um, you put any of the anyone on that wing that was still the danger spot and we didn't really find it a lot and what you found also was Hakeem Morgan having to come he was drawn back further to receive the ball to get it and to get it get involved and that left the gap in behind him. And actually, what I will say is that Shea Bechtel did a fantastic – I thought he was very good on the day. Yeah. He did a fantastic job in the second half as, like, my my bright spot of occupying the spaces that Morgan was was alleviating to go get the ball. So, like, just didn't quite translate the positives from first half to the second half. And it wasn't anything that we changed out of. And it wasn't anything that – St. Croix did. It was just that they were pumping the long balls in and we, and we were just in clearance mode and we never really got a chance to get the ball down and at least try to combine um, in volume. Like there were some bright spots. So I think that was number two. Um, Number three, uh, outside of like the narrow missed corners and one really great save by Herrera, um, pretty much everything St. Croix had was on target and they finished two chances. I would say they finished two out of four chances and we finished on a set piece and had probably six other chances that we could have put in. And for me, if, if we sharpen up that one thing, that game's four to two and we win. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great point, right? All the chances that we had in the first, especially in the first half 
where we were just like, oh man, that should have been that should have been the first goal. That should have been the first goal. And then finally, when it was Hakeem that scored the first goal, it's like, okay, now we got to figure it out. Um, yeah, you're right. It's just a matter of execution. Like mm-hmm. that game should have been put away by halftime, but it was not. But we have another chance coming up this weekend. Next up for City is Saturday, is Saturday night's glimpse of one of the new teams, one of the three new teams to the Deep North. They are Third Coast RKC. Uh, they are making their first appearance at the Nelly, which is also their very first USL2 game. John, this is the second team from southeastern Wisconsin. I know you're familiar with the Bavarians, of course, but what do you know about Racine? I mean, what do I not know about yeah. Racine? <laughs> <laughs> um, I know nothing. I, I, honestly, uh, I know nothing about this team beyond a, a few minor nuggets. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect, but I do know that it's a, it's a brand new club and it's got some good backing. Um, one of, one of the leaders of the club is Mark Lin, Linton, uh, Linton, excuse me. He's a former professional goalkeeper um, played with like the Milwaukee wave. I want to say he actually played with Sonny on those old Milwaukee wave teams, Oh wow! Um, but he played with the Milwaukee wave and, and, and in quite a few um, other old professional indoor soccer league teams. Um, he's huge in the Wisconsin soccer community. He's had stints at some of the best clubs there, um, either being the goalkeeper director or director of coaching. Um, he's had stints at multiple colleges. Um, he was a former standout at UW Parkside, which is in the Racine Kenosha area. Um, and he's also coached at the professional indoor level of multiple teams. And he was on the coaching staff uh, with the U.S. Men's National Futsal Team for for many years, he might actually wow. still be, um, but I know he was. So, um, and one hell of a guy, by the way, like salt of the earth type person. So, really happy for him to to be part of that group. Except for Saturday, when I hope we shove it right in your face. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, to me, Nate, this could be the Peoria of last season, where. Um, it's a lot of unknown and then they come out and you're like, these guys can play Oh boy, uh, yeah. Be, be, because I feel like it's going to be made up of a similar type of player. It's going to be a lot of local Wisconsin college players, probably from that D2 D1 level, whether it's Marquette green Bay, um, uh, Mar- uh, UW Milwaukee, maybe sprinkle in a few of the, of the top level D3 players, the ones that maybe aren't from the Milwaukee area that are, that aren't already playing with the Bavarians. This will be the next, the next wave of them that are playing for RKC. And also you're probably going to see some guys creeping up from across the Chicago, uh, the Illinois border from Chicago. So there, I think it's going to be an interesting mix. It's a very much of an unknown. I think there's going to be some ethnic players probably on it. And um, what do you mean? Like never- Croatians? I mean, could be some Croatians, <laughs> could be some Germans, could be whoever, you know, like the melting pot of Wisconsin and, and, and Chicago um, in particular across the border. Um, <laughs> yeah. You never know who came off the boat on that third coast. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I think that, I think that it's going to be a lot like Peoria was All right. year, for sure. Well, I mean, your gut might be correct, John Racine's website only does have six players up. Announced, but here is here's what 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 I know and what's on it. So their coach, a Marquette assistant coach, um, which solid program assistant coach. Uh, his name is I got it right here. My bad. Here's what I did is I uh, decided to close your window. (laughs) Close close the window. Yep. Uh, well then Marquette players won't be on it, so that cuts off another another level of uh of of player involvement. So that's good. 
Yeah, I wish I, I wish I, ha I had it, man. And now it's gone. Well, oh, you keep I, talking. I'll look it up. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, so we got this Marquette assistant coach. Um, they've signed players who look pretty local to the area, like you said. You got a forward from Madison. You got um, there's a midfielder that plays at Maryland, and another from that plays at UW Milwaukee. Those guys are all from Wisconsin. They do have Abdu Abdu Ragasi. I think is playing. Oh, he is. He's not on their website. No, internet's hard, man. Yeah, it's hard to put. It's hard to make a graphic. Uh, they've got a couple guys from Creighton. They've got Blake Gillingham, who is a goalkeeper at Creighton, and then they've got an attacking midfielder who is German, Malti Kaiser. Yeah, the Kaiser. The Kais. <laughs> uh, that's pretty. That's pretty crazy. So, given given that we don't don't know much about the opposition, John, all all Minneapolis City can really do is look internally and look to look to hone the game plan. I think we heard Carl in his interview that was posted on social media, talk about, we just got to pick what we're doing. We got to, we can either take, we can either make pieces of cake or we can try to take those little pieces of cheese. And we want to, want to go for those, those bigger angles, those pieces of cake. What adjustments need to be make need to be made as these last few players trickle in? I don't know, man. I really like cheese over cake. I mean, <laughs> you know, that, I agree. that's the type of palate I have. Um, <laughs> I think it's there. There's there's two things. Um, first one, firepower and familiarity. I think that uh, you definitely need more of the firepower that's coming in. Um, that I've seen. I've seen at training. I've seen the pictures. I've seen the people who've been there. It, it's starting to come in. So that that that's a real positive thing. And then with, what comes with that is familiarity. But we talked about it in the last match. It's execution on the final idea. It has to happen. Um, so that's where accountability is starting is if the coaching staff is putting the players, we do have it. They do have at their disposal in positions of opportunity at, at the end of the day, it's execution time and the finger can be directly pointed at the players not executing. So the ball has got to go in the net and it has to go in the net at a better clip than uh, you know, what we have eight shots and only one went in and they had, they had three and uh, if you count if you count the second goal as a shot yeah so got it got to sharpen up there I mean, it's it's a it, i hate to say this it's a very familiar what we have to do is what we talked about last season um so it's it's figure it out execute it's just that simple <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well let's uh I guess let's let's get excited because Minneapolis City versus Third Coast RKC is Saturday night, 6 p.m. You gotta catch it at the Nelly or online at eleven sports.com. Next up find this coach here. Hang yeah. on. What is it? Next up, John, we're uh, we want to talk about futures. The futures team had a couple of games this week. The first one on Sunday against FC Minneapolis. Yeah, and um lo and behold, foot and arm outs. It was the the gallant return of the winged wizard. He wasn't. He retirement. wasn't out. What's that? He he did not. Uh, turns out he was not out with injury for for the season. No, it wasn't an injury. I think he. I don't know what it was, but he returned. And man, am I so glad that we were the team that got to see his return. Um, so, anyways, Ian Cindy came back. For those of you who don't know what the hell we're talking about, or care. But he he came back. Uh, but this is traditionally Nate one of those matchups that's a little difficult for 
for the the young crows. But the lineup: uh, Antonio Olivares, Aiden Lee, Bodine Gosted, Carter Hermanson, Daniel Linder, uh, Griffin Price, Jeffrey Richter, Johnny Bear, Jordan Ross, Leo Runstad. I'll get into him in a second. Mason Gillian. Michael Doshin, Nick Karam, Noah Hermanson, Rigo, Tomas Mena, and Tyler Beaupre. So you're starting to see some consistent names, Nate, where last year it was a little – it fluctuated a little more. Yeah, mixed so, it up a bit. And I think you you were starting to see that fluctuation because of the players that were moving into the MPSL setup to help. Yeah, trying so, to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're so we're now game – this is game two. You're seeing the similar roster to game one. Uh, and – We'll give you the lineup for game three and you're going to, you're going to remember what I just said, but as far as the, as the storylines for me, it, you know, honestly, I didn't see it. Didn't can't get a chance to watch it yet because of the fact that we were on the call for the USL two game, but I mentioned Leo Runstad. He was one of my, he was the young player of the year last year uh, in our official unofficial people's pitch podcast awards. And I think he has an absolute, fast track bright spot for fu- for the future like not not with the futures but for the future i think he is one of those players that has that something special and he wasn't with us this winter and i was very worried that we weren't going to necessarily see his name on our call sheet but on someone else's mm-hmm. and um he did he he returned so uh it, it was really great to see him out there uh it was basically the carter herman show. he had a brace got both goals we won two nothing <laughs> we got our first shutout and I think to to put a bow on it without having deep analysis of the game was that's a dominant road victory in a traditionally hard game for this for this team you know it's a very physical team in FC Minneapolis it's on the road you're kind of you're kind of coming off uh, you know some some highs some highs and lows uh, from not being able to to, to close out Laura and getting that draw and then, you know, taking it to Granite City. Um, this one was where ad- adversity kind of struck for the first time a little bit with uh, physically. physically. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And I think it was reflected at the scoreline at half. Uh, FC Minneapolis able to hold us to 0-0 at halftime. And mm-hmm. w- I- I'm only bringing this up because it's a su- it might suddenly be a theme, right, as these young crows have a harder time than, than they have in the past – getting into games uh, against certain opponents. Um, But I think, you know, once like once the second half began and they started to find their groove, uh, the talent, the stamina, the fitness, um, the just the level of player that Minneapolis City Futures have was able to win the day. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, next we're going to talk about the Futures versus the Twin City, Twin City FC, SC, whatever the hell they're called. I don't know. Uh, I was I was admittedly not there. I was I was doing landscaping at my house to the tune of ten cubic yards of mulch needing to get done before it Come rained. Come on, man! Where are your priorities? Uh, they, you know what? <laughs> Ask my wife that because I was like, I'm going I'm going to the Nelly, and she's like, "Damn, you aren't." <laughs> <laughs> you could have hung with me in the booth after uh, I don't know, I after had Sunday plans, night, dude. That would have been so plans cool. Too. I had after plans Sunday too. in the in, after the Sunday night victory, the futures just kept on rolling on Wednesday against the re- revamped Ebusua FC from last year. They renamed themselves Twin City FC. New name. I'm going to say same old bullshit of not having a roster <laughs> with any numbers available for kickoff. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I was in the booth, like I said. I'll say that generally this was a classic 
UPSL matchup for City. It was our young, fast <laughs> guys against some really big dudes that had lots of tricks up their sleeves, right? Define define tricks up their sleeves. Like we're not oh, talking yeah, step. We're not talking step overs and croifs. We're talking. No, like, we're talking like we're talking. Um, you know, flops, dives. We're talking. We're talking backhanded. We're talking kit pulls. We're you know just all the physical like dirty stuff that happens in the in the in the tiny spaces between between players. You know that end up uh, that that start to add up. And and when you're a little guy, when you're a little guy, and I, I only say little guy, like when you're in late, when you're a senior in high school or early part of your college career, like. That's a little. That's not something you're you're as used to as when you're probably you know 27 and you've been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about lineup. Like you said, it's starting to coalesce, man. We had Griffin Price, we had Jordan Ross again in the midfield. Uh, Rigo Ariano starting at center back Tal- alongside Tyler Bopre. Jeffrey Richter was that was that third midfielder, the defensive midfielder. Um, and, uh, we had Carter Hermanson starting at forward along with Tomas Mena. And Camel two, and the goalkeeper on the day was Linder. So that was yep. Dana Linder. So that was pretty. That was you know, like I said, or like you said, we're starting to see some consistency there. We had a nice bench. Nick Kent back in the squad. Any day is a good day when Nick Kent when a Kent plays for Minneapolis City. Uh, Colin Byrne, Joseph Swallen, Johnny Bear, Aiden Lee, Micah Miller, Bodine Gosted, and Michael Doshin along with Antonio Olivares on the bench. So similar names. I mean, there's yeah. there's a couple that are kind of going in and out a little Similar's bit, out, yeah. but the core, the core is there. The, yeah. the it's great. It's great to see. Yeah. So Jeffrey Richter, who is the, uh, I guess probably the, the upcoming starting midfielder, starting defensive midfielder for Greg Holker's Augsburg Augies coming up in the fall left very early in this game, only 11 minutes in, um, not sure why he didn't spend a lot of time on the turf. I think he pulled himself. Um, so that was that's that might be a, a little bit of a warning sign. Hopefully, it's just a little little knock or tweak that he can get better. Uh, which called the young Swallen into action. Uh, John, you recognize you you know the name. I did not recognize it. Joseph Swallen, the younger brother of who? Jake Swallen. Jake Swallen. How do we know yeah. that name? Uh, well, Jake has been in and out of our system. He was a member of the the former U23 squad that turned into the Futures and um, is finishing up his senior, I think his sixth year at um, at Wake Forest due, due to injury and COVID and is actually training with the first team but is choosing not to play competitive matches because he's coming off of a, um, his second ACL tear. So That's he doesn't fair. necessarily want to go fair. out and yeah, but uh, one of the one of the brightest players in the um, in the ACC. Nice. In in his, his older brother, um, but insert younger brother who I, I believe just finished up high school. So yeah. or or is finishing up high school. He grew into the game. At first, I was worried for how he was handling that Twin City uh, SC pressure. Uh, they use they were using their size, like I said, using their using some of those those tricks. And they were barreling forward a few times, but I would say they had a really hard time getting past Tyler Beaupre. Tyler Beaupre had a phenomenal game. He found himself, he just decided to dribble every once in a while and just like he was launched from a rocket, he would, or from a cannon, he would just take the ball and break lines all by himself. He hit the post 
I mean, the guy had the guy had a phenomenal game, both both defensively and offensively. But in uh, in the 24th minute, Twin City FC got through that midfield, and uh, unfortunately, they were tripped up in the box. A penalty was awarded and well taken, and the futures were down. Zero to one, not something they're used to. I mean, we talked about the game before going into half at zero zero. Uh, this mm-hmm. game going into half at zero one. Um, you know, they got to learn how to face adversity. Yeah, you know, it's. I'm so I'm so glad it happened. To be honest with you, as we know, you know the final outcome of this game. Um, you know it. It's good for it's good for the players. It's good for the player, the any player of that age group to be up against not only bigger players, the bull, the the bullshit that you you mentioned, um, the tricks we'll call it, um, but also being being down a goal, having to dig back and know that the the tricks uh, and all those things are going to amplify in the second half. Mm-hmm. So really good adversity. And what it also does for me, Nate, and I think this is the big one, um, not only just for the players, but for the coaching staff, it allows them to, to early in the season work on situations that can be beneficial in the waning days of the season or in a playoff atmosphere. So it's very easy for you to go into a training environment and say, okay, here's our starters for the next, next week's game. Um, th- this, is the, this is the reserve squad. Now reserve squad's up to nothing. And there's only 30 minutes left. Go figure, you know, like figure it out. That's that. Yes, that's great and all, but uh, it, to do it against a, a team like whatever they're called, Twin City FC, that, that's a real good test for you to yeah. figure out who who can handle uh, what 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 levers you need to pull, what what buttons you need to press, that kind of stuff. So I thought it was really good. Yeah, I think historically, when a, when a Minneapolis City team has been as good record wise as the futures have been when you think about the NPSL squads of the past once you get to the playoffs once it gets to be single elimination teams you haven't seen before you suddenly you're like oh maybe we should have practiced not winning <laughs> you know what i mean like once you're not winning if you, you you don't know how to act anymore so i i think this is i think you're right that's an interesting take City finally gets on the board in the second half. Carter Hermanson pounces on a loose ball in the box off a corner. He slots his third of the season home. I'll say it's very similar to how St. Croix scored their second. Big man Tyler Beaupre knocks it down. Carter sends her home. And really, John, on Wednesday, it was the subs that end up making the difference. Michael Doshin puts on a dribbling clinic. He drives right down the middle towards goal. I tried to – it's so hard to see from the angle from the VO, but he it looked – so beautiful in real life in, in person. <laughs> I had um, Michael was on my um, on my winner my winner team the Riverside Rovers, and uh, <laughs> I was watching that back and I wanted to text him to just kind of give him a joke to say like, "Hey, that move you did was awesome," uh, you know, to to to, to elude the defender and uh, and and slot in Camel for that game winner. But be honest. Was that just your plant foot landing weird, and then it just kind of bounced off one foot and then bounced off the other quickly and it went to the other guy? <laughs> it was so smooth that it looked like it was almost an accident, but it definitely was planned. Like, go yeah. back and look at it again now that I said it kind of looks like an accident. He dips, <laughs> he dips his right shoulder at the same time the ball kind of moves to his right foot, acting yeah. like he's going to cut there, but instead he bumps the ball back to his left and goes in and cuts back to his left, and on the cut, 
is able to just like one time almost no look with his outs with the outside of his foot lay it off yeah. to to camel too i couldn't i couldn't believe it camel goes far post and his shot bounces off the post but it goes in and gives city a lead that they that they never gave up it was like wow i was i was talking to myself in the booth basically just like that was gorgeous yeah i mean i um i know he he intended to play that ball the camel but seriously go back and look at it it, it almost looks too smooth to be real and it looks kind of like a mistake <laughs> nice um, but yeah i um you can continue yeah all right i, w- I will so, I mean, John, when you think about this, we got Carter Hermanson with three goals. You got Tomas Mena, Camel two. If it's not one goal scorer, it's another that comes up big for this Futures team. What do you see from them as they continue to gel? Oh, like, man, that's, you- a great, that's a great question. I mean, I think they are gelling. Uh, I think the gel has already started to set in. I mean, I, I also think that... It's sticky. The, the, hair, the hair is spiky. Yeah, yeah, got got a nice poly D blowout going on. <laughs> but I think I think that the goals will start to come from all, uh, even additional sources. You know, you you look at you only really having one game of of uh, Parker Flint. I think he can he can score goals. Um, you look at uh, Mutu was only involved for a little bit. He can score goals too. There's a lot of there's a lot of players, and there's some that we haven't even seen yet. I mean, you look at Nick Karam. He he, you know, he was the bright spot in the first game. Hasn't really, you know, gotten on the sheet since then. I mean, he's 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 a goal scoring machine waiting to happen. Just got to unlock it. So I look at more of how many different ways can they score goals. You know, maybe we start to throw in some set pieces, and you see someone like Tyler Beaupre or Nick Kent now that he's healthy getting on getting ahead on the end of you know some set pieces and starting to score some goals. So I think that. They're they're peaking. They're starting to hit the peak, the the low end of the peak at the right time. And there's it, it's it's to the moon. I think it's it could be one moon. of those things that other teams will try to lock stuff down, and then there's just someone else pops up and and fills the void. And that's what you want out of a team, right? You do danger men, and sometimes it's not their day, or sometimes they're equalized. No matter how hard they're trying, the other team just figures it out. So it's great to see someone else pop up here, someone else pop up there. That's the true sense of a well-rounded team. For sure, John. And the next game is coming up Wednesday, Wednesday the 24th against Austin Villa. Kickoff is at 7 p.m. at the Nelly, and tickets are only $7 or it's free for members. I think if you haven't seen these features play, you got to come out. out. I got to get out. You got to check them out. The games are great. They're a great display of young talent, John. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in the booth again uh, next Wednesday. So come on up and and uh, let's let's chill. Yeah, I uh, kickoffs at seven. It's gonna be tough for me. It's tough but, on a tough on a weeknight. I know. Well, I got I got I got the boys got soccer on on Wednesdays. Mm. Uh, so I just got to see what the what what if it's the if it's the late game I can't make it. If it's early game I'll make it. Or maybe I come late with him and he can wear his jersey and feel like he's going to play. <laughs> well, uh, that will do it for this week's show, folks. This week's second episode of the, of the week. Thanks again to our wonderful show sponsor, FootballStadiumPrints.com. The lower league season is here, and Football Stadium Prince has top gear for lower league teams from Minneapolis to Motherwell. With everything from mugs to T-shirts to sweet prints of lower league icons like the John Bisworm. Who's that guy? 
Matt Elder, <laughs> or Igor Nelson Field. Don't forget to use the code CROWS10, that's C-R-O-W-S-10, for 10% off on everything you purchase. And remember, all U.S. orders ship right from the, the States, so there's no pesky international shipping charges. 2023 memberships are now available. 89 bucks gets you a ticket to every Minnesota Super Cup, UPSL, and USL2 home game, as well as a voice that helps to shape the club for next year. As a member, uh, as a reminder, Minneapolis City is a 501c3, so consider a charitable gift to a club that loves to give back. If you are interested in getting a hold of us, we have made it super duper simple, and that well has dried up. Um, actually, I've... Uh, I apologize, Paul. Paul, our, our buddy Paul has a had a question. We'll answer it next week. Oh, okay, um, nice. <laughs> but if you're just getting a hold of us, we made it simple. Hit us up at the club, uh, at the club on Twitter at MPLSCDSC or at the show at the People's Pitch, or via email mcscpodcast at gmail .com. I am John. That was Nate. There is more and more soccer each week. The summer is packed and we'll be with you every week to keep you up to speed on city action. If you haven't yet done so, go listen to our mini-sode that was put out yesterday with Tulsa Athletic owner Sonny D'Alessandro talking about their stadium situation and what the hell is going on with the NPSL. So that was put out yesterday. It's well worth it. Go ahead and check it out. We'll be back next week. And until then, we got them. We could use a hook right now.